You're going to love this. Just love it. <laughs> yeah, that happens. I am stuck in the middle with you, live from Los Angeles on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. We're also welcoming KYAQ 91.7 FM local public radio for the Oregon Central Coast, our newest affiliate to the broadcast. And of course, we are, as always, coast to coast and around the globe on kpfk.org, on the Stitcher app, on the TuneIn app, on the Progressive Voices channel, on Netroots Radio, Liberal Justice Radio, and of course, on iTunes. If you miss any portion of the program, check us out over on iTunes. This is your broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly citizen investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow from bradblog.com. Glad you could join us this afternoon. Uh, boy, what uh, what do I hope I get to today? We have a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess of a week. It's a mess of a month, a mess of a year. Frankly, it's a mess of a country. We will be covering, uh, among other things, uh, back to Iraq. I can't believe it. I can't believe I've been able to go back to clips from 2006 to use in today's show. Uh, Boy, anyway, some epic, and I mean epic, trolling of Barack Obama on Iraq as things fall apart there, coming up momentarily. Uh, And also your thoughts today, as many calls as I can get to. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. That's 818-985-KPFK. Because, you know, the first time we went to Iraq, or I should say the second time we went to Iraq, uh, the right-wingers got it all wrong. Got it completely wrong. The right-wingers got it wrong. The mainstream media got it wrong. Many, if not most, of the Democrats got it wrong. But you people here on Pacifica Radio got it right. So, frankly, I don't give a damn what... John McCain has to say, what Lindsey Graham has to say, what Paul Bremer, Paul Wolfowitz, Dick Cheney, I don't give a damn what all of them have to say. I give a damn what you have to say. 818-985-5735 concerning Iraq. Also, uh, some good news on voting out of Ohio of all places today. (laughs) Good news on voting out of Ohio for change. Yes, Uh, we'll have that in a little bit. Uh, Also, even science museums are now being undermined by fossil-fueled science denialism. That's right. The war on science now includes a war on science museums. I will be talking about that with Desi Doyen a little bit later. And, of course, we will also have the Green News Report, as usual, wherein we will discuss this week news 
that our climate and weather patterns are now changing so much, meteorologists can't even explain the physics behind them and the never-before-seen giant twin tornadoes that devastated a Nebraska town this week. Also, Barack Obama is clearly taking off the gloves when it comes to his rhetoric on climate denialism and uh, perhaps I should say doing some trolling himself this week. Always fun. All right, so all of that is ahead, plus your calls. Uh, But first, uh, trolling. I had mentioned trolling Google uh, defines trolling as, quote, making a deliberately offensive and provocative online posting with the aim of upsetting someone or eliciting an angry response from them. That's about right. The Urban Dictionary goes a little bit uh, further here, uh, defines uh, trolling as one being a I have to replace the word here being a jerk. On the Internet, because you can, typically unleashing one or more cynical or sarcastic remarks on an innocent bystander because it's the Internet. And hey, you can. Uh, And two, the art of deliberately, cleverly and secretly ticking people off usually via the Internet. Trolling does not uh, mean just making rude remarks, shouting swear words that someone doesn't count as trolling. That's just flaming and isn't funny. Spam isn't uh, trolling either. It ticks people off, but it's lame. The most essential part of trolling is convincing your victim that either A, you truly believe what you are saying, no matter how outrageous, or B, Give your victim malicious instructions under the guise of help. That's trolling. Now, when it comes to politics, uh, think of Ann Coulter. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm making you think of Ann Coulter. Think of Ann Coulter. She is the queen of trolling. She comes out. She says stuff. She says outrageous comments. She goes home. She figures out what's the most outrageous thing I can say, the thing that's going to uh, tick off people who are not right-wingers the most. What can I say to get attention, to get headlines? That's all Ann Coulter does. That's all she is. She's a trolling operation. She makes her money by trolling. She is the queen of trolling. However, Dick and Liz Cheney are now making a bid for the title of uh, king and queen of the trolls. Last night uh, at uh, at the Wall Street Journal and Rupert Murdoch's Wall Street Journal, Rupert Murdoch of Fox News' Wall Street Journal, some pretty epic trolling from Dick Cheney, which I will advise you to read the full article, Wall Street Journal, at your own peril. These selected quotes ought to be enough to make your head explode all by themselves. Just a few quotes from uh, this unbelievable op-ed from Dick and Liz Cheney. Quote, Rarely has a U.S. president been so wrong about so much at the expense of so many. Yes, that was Dick Cheney actually saying that about someone else. He also said, Iraq is at risk of falling to the radical Islamic terror group, and Mr. Obama is talking climate change. As if, you know, climate change doesn't matter, it's just fun and games, it's not going to affect the entire planet and all of mankind. He's just talking about that. Meanwhile, Iraq is falling to radical Islamic terror. Dick Cheney also wrote with Liz, Terrorists take control of more territory and resources than ever before in history, and he goes golfing. Yes, he's making fun of Barack Obama for golfing at a crucial moment 
in national security history. Really? Really, Dick? Dick Cheney also says this president is willfully blind to the impact of his policies. Uh, You know, I can hear heads exploding all over the nation right now listening to these quotes. He says, President Obama seems determined to leave office, ensuring he has taken America uh, down a notch. Indeed, the speed of the terrorist takeover of territory in Iraq has been matched only by the speed of American decline on his watch, says Dick Cheney. (laughs) And finally, uh, Dick Cheney and Liz Cheney say Al-Qaeda and its affiliates are resurgent and they present a security threat not seen since the Cold War. Defeating them will require a strategy, not a fantasy, says Dick Cheney in the Wall Street Journal. Epic trolling accomplished. Uh, would you like to troll him back? 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK. Our own Ernie Canning replied uh, to uh, Dick Cheney's trolling last night with this comment. Uh, Ernie Canning, he's an attorney. He's our senior uh, legal analyst at bradblog.com. He says, let's face it, Brad, the only reason this shameless sociopath can appear in person on Fox News as opposed to speaking from inside a prison cell is that the current president and attorney general violated their solemn oaths to faithfully execute the law when both refused to investigate and prosecute both Bush and Cheney for war crimes. Couldn't agree more, Mr. Canning. Meanwhile, Philip Bump over at The Washington Post says that all of this uh, trolling is not really meant to troll Obama. It's not really meant to troll the left. In fact, what Dick Cheney is doing is trolling Rand Paul. Apparently, Dick and Liz Cheney have just formed a 501c4 nonprofit organization. And they're, of course, trying to raise money. They're going to go, what's it called? Alliance for a Stronger America. Because if anyone knows about a stronger America, it's Dick Cheney, right? Uh, They also released a video with their trolling uh, explaining the rationale for the organization, saying, quote, We are forming the Alliance for a Strong America because we know America's security depends upon our ability to reverse President Obama's policies. We know that there is no substitute for American leadership around the world. Now, what Philip Bump says is that apparently this is meant to be a shot at Rand Paul because Rand Paul is, believe it or not, uh, the leading or at least one of the leading candidates for the 2016 GOP nomination for president of the United States. And Rand Paul, who is wrong on a whole bunch of things, has been right at least sort of in uh, criticizing the Bush administration, uh, criticizing going into Iraq and so forth. So Dick and Liz Cheney are quite worried about this. So they form this uh, this pack. They put out these trolling points. Uh, and Philip Bump says, quote, the target isn't termed out Barack Obama. It's an ascendant Rand Paul. Could be. Do you agree? In the meantime... New PPP poll says that only 20 percent of Americans think that the renewed fighting now in Iraq is due to the United States withdrawing from the country before the job was done, whereas 67 percent think it's more rooted in centuries of internal conflict that was exacerbated by the U.S. invasion during the Bush administration. 
Yeah, you think? Only 16% of Americans would support sending combat troops to help deal with the crisis in Iraq, compared to 74% who are opposed. Did you hear that, Mr. President? There's a bipartisan consensus on that issue with Republicans, Democrats, and Independents all strongly opposed to sending combat troops. Ask specifically whose vision they agree with more about having U.S. troops in Iraq between Obama and uh, Obama, who says no troops under any circumstances, and John McCain, uh, who says troops should have remained there in Iraq after 2011. Voters side with uh, Obama by a 54 to 28 spread. Of course, that poll was taken over the weekend before Monday when Obama told Congress that the U.S. would be deploying up to 275,000. No, I'm sorry, just 275 troops. Not 275,000. 275 troops to Iraq, notifying Congress under the War Powers Resolution. President Barack Obama told uh, Congress that uh, the U.S. was deploying up to 275 personnel to provide support and security for U.S. personnel and the country's embassy in Baghdad after militants seized control of many cities in the north of the country. That's the group calling themselves ISIS. Islamic State of Iraq and Syria. The president wrote that, quote, this force is deploying for the purpose of protecting U.S. citizens and property if necessary and is equipped for combat. He said this force will remain in Iraq until the security situation becomes such that it is no longer uh, needed. You know, when uh, Secretary of State Colin Powell uh, said before the war that if we break it, we own it, uh, the question that comes to my mind now is clearly Iraq is broken. Clearly it was broken (laughs) by George W. Bush, no matter how many right-wingers show up on TV. And if I get uh, some time, I'll I'll read you some some quotes. It's it's amazing that all of the people who were absolutely wrong, 100% in every way, shape, or form before the Iraq War are now being welcomed back by the David Gregories of the world onto network television to ask them, oh, what do you think we should do about Iraq? Maybe what he's doing is uh, maybe what all of these networks are doing is is asking, you know, guys like Paul Bremer and Paul Wolfowitz and and the rest of this uh, and Dick Cheney and the rest of the crowd who was entirely 100 percent wrong uh, what we should do in Iraq uh, so that then we could just do the opposite. There's an idea. Because, of course, they said it was about uh, WMD. There was no WMD. They said it was about connections to Al Qaeda. There was no connections to Al Qaeda, though there is now. They said it was to spread democracy. Well, there ain't no democracy there. And now, of course, these right-wingers are trying to blame Barack Obama. There's plenty to blame Barack Obama for, and if you'd like to, or if you'd like to not blame him, or you'd like to blame Dick Cheney, feel free to give us a call, 818-985-5735, 818-985-5735. If you want to blame me, you can call in and do that as well. Uh, But there's plenty to blame uh, Barack Obama for. The fact that we are not in Iraq right now and the fact that uh, this uh, group ISIS is marching down from the north towards Baghdad in Iraq, to blame Barack Obama for that is absolutely laughable. 
Because, of course, all he did was follow what George W. Bush, the treaty that George W. Bush worked out with the Iraqis and signed in 2008. And I hate to have to re, uh, you know, remind people of these things, but apparently it needs to be said. It needs to be said over and over and over because you've got so many liars out there, not just on Fox News, but on all of the actual news channels and news networks lying to America, lying to the world about it. That we need to remind people, yes, we left Iraq because Bush signed a treaty to leave Iraq with the Iraqis in 2008. Here was uh, Stephen Colbert last night talking about exactly that. The point is we are facing the alarming collapse of the Iraqi government that took us eight years of blood and treasure to install, and it's all Obama's fault. Jim? I blame President Obama mightily for a hands-off policy when it comes to Iraq. It's the president's inability to negotiate a status of forces agreement okay, in but, Iraq, but, which, which has put us in this situation that we're in today. President Obama made a political decision, a campaign promise decision, not a strategic vision decision. He simply well, didn't live up to his promises of more arms and a diplomatic surge. Thank you, President Obama. Great job, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Great job, dude. Operation Party Foul. Next keg, next keg is on you, President Broseph. I don't know what Obama was thinking when George W. Bush signed the troop withdrawal agreement in 2008. Yep, there you go. Let's take some calls. 818-985-5735. 818-985-KPFK. Keith in Los Angeles. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. What's on your mind? Hello, Brad. How are you? I'm all right. What's okay. up? Uh, the one thing that I, that I just want to remind people is that there was only one man on the planet who could have shut Cheney, Bush, Rumsfeld, Powell, all the rest of them up, and that was Barack Obama. Yep. Before he was elected, he said there would be an investigation into Iraq, and I will go where the evidence takes me. He couldn't get his hand off that Bible fast enough to say, oh, no, we're moving forward, not backwards. No more Iraq. Everyone gets to stay free. Everyone gets to keep all their blood-soaked millions, and I'm doing nothing. Yep. So all these people who are complaining, all of the lefties and the liberals are complaining. I'm tired of I want to see more of Bush. I want to see more of Cheney because it, because it, it can remind them why they're still free and why they're still talking. Obama could have shut them all up because can you imagine what any investigation into Iraq would have uncovered with people under oath, subpoenas, Records, false. Can can you imagine they all would have to just go away or maybe lead to prosecutions? But they weren't going to turn themselves in and say, "Uh, you got me. I can't sleep at night. Which way is the Hague? You're absolutely, entirely, 100% right, Keith. Because there was no accountability... These guys, not just the Dick Cheneys and, and the you know uh, Paul Bremers and the Wolfowitzes and the George W. Bushes and the other war criminals, but the media that were their accomplice right. back then, uh, right. they also faced no accountability. No, they, so they're doing the same thing. So it's the right. same people who got it wrong right. on the media covering it and inviting back the same politicians who got it wrong because Barack Obama uh, d- brought no accountability. Paul Rosenberg, writing over at Salon this week, Week, and I had wanted to have him on the show this week. He wasn't able to make it, but uh, he wrote a great article uh, called, well, let me get you the, uh, uh, here we go, the headline over at Salon.com, sorry, George W. Bush, but this whole mess is still 
your fault. And he's absolutely right. But at the end of the article, he says where there is uh, room to criticize Barack Obama uh, was when President Obama said that he wanted to, quote, look forward, not backwards. And Rosenberg noted, let me read you this one quote. Rosenberg noted that it was funny how none of the Beltway's countless Winston Churchill fans quoted Sir Winston back back at him when Churchill said, quote, the farther backward you can look, the farther forward you are likely to see. Right. That was the one time when being a Churchill fan, Churchill fanboy might really have been helpful for a change, and all we got was crickets. One more thing, Brad. Yeah. I just want to mention two numbers that people always, always have to remember. If not for these two numbers, and, and by the way, this, this uh, war of choice, and unnecessary, it wasn't war of choice, it was an attack, a terrorist attack on innocent men, women, children. We attacked them. It wasn't just some war of choice. Of, no, no. But two numbers, 20 and 100. 20 was the price of a barrel of oil on 3-18-03. 100 was the price of a barrel of oil in very short order after 3-19. Those are the only two numbers that matter. Without those two numbers, nothing else happens. Yeah. If, if, Keith, nothing else happens. If you're claiming that this is a war for oil, I'm just going to have to cut you and take you off the air. I can't have that. Thanks, Keith. I appreciate the call. Yeah, it, it, by the way, it, not only was it a war for oil, but now it certainly would be a war for oil because why do we need to do anything there? Why do we need to go back in? Why do we need to keep... Let, if they want to blow each other up at this point, let them. What business is it of ours? Oh, yeah. They've got all of our oil underneath their sand. 818 985 5735 818 985-KPFK. Let's go to Habu in Madison, Wisconsin. Hey, Habu, how are you? Oh, I'm dandy here. How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, What's up? What's on your mind, Habu? Um, Just a couple of very minor points here. Um, You you know, there's a lot of euphemisms being used about uh, the war, meaning uh, they made the U.S., especially the administration, made a mistake, whatever that means. It was never a mistake. Right. This was a clear-headed policy to completely um, show, to show the world that we can, you know, wreak havoc, and havoc they did wreak on, on the hapless Iraqis. And, and even your use of a mistake by these, um, by these so-called, you know, generals or what have you, is another euphemism. This isn't a mistake, uh, 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 meaning they didn't get it wrong. They knew what the game was. But in order to you know uh, keep up their expensive uh, um, uh, appearances, uh, they had to play the game. Do you think that uh, people like Harry Reid uh, and Hillary Clinton, who voted both of whom uh, voted to authorize the war, um, and and by the way, that's another euphemism. They didn't vote for war. They voted to uh, authorize the president to use force if he you know did all of these things that he said he was going to do. And then of course he didn't because all he wanted to do was go to war. But uh, when Harry Reid uh, says, as he did today, this afternoon in an interview with uh, I believe Sam Stein over at HuffPo, he said. Um, Let's see. I quote, uh, it was a mistake. I should have never voted for that, said Harry Reid. But I accepted what uh, Colin Powell, former Secretary of State Colin Powell and others said. But it took just a matter of months to realize it was a bad mistake. And my record speaks for itself. I've spoken out against what was going on, not once, not twice, but lots of times. And I'm sorry that I was misled. But I was. And it was a mistake for me. To uh, to vote for that war, it, what what do you think, Habu, of what Harry Reid said? Is that uh, is that good enough? Oh, well, well, you know what? I, I, I could care less about what these 
uh, uh, politicians say, whether a Republican or, or, or Democrat, they, everybody there who was involved with that, including Colin the Jester Powell, mm-hmm. with, with his little, you know, fancy dog and pony show in the United Nations, right. uh, uh, these people knew exactly what was going on, and now they're passing the buck. Uh, what well, they did this even after the war, immediately after the war, saying yeah. they were misled. Misled. You are in the Senate, and you get some of the best uh, uh, information, and you're saying, and even they blamed the CIA, which told them specifically that was, uh, going to war was the wrong thing. Thing. Uh, but, but, you know, let me just end on this note, which is a kind of a, a double irony. Uh, I believe that I, the ISIS, which, was f- f- which came from Syria and was fighting the, uh, the Syrian government there, uh, was, is and was supported by the West, meaning the U.S. and France and Britain and Qatar and Saudi Arabia. And so now they're kind of poised to move into Iraq. But I hope they overrun Baghdad and go and uh, you, you know, relieve themselves in the green zone where all this whole monstrosity of a uh, embassy is. Well, so, so th- uh, th- that'll make it go full circle. All right. Well, I can't go with you there, Habu, because in fact we got a lot of uh, a lot of people there, a lot of innocent people there, a lot of Americans uh, there, and uh, I would love to see all of the killing stop, no matter what side is doing it. I appreciate that. I appreciate your call, Habu. I got to. I... Yeah, we've been the people doing the killings. Yeah. No, we have been doing the killings. All of it needs to stop. Right. But anyway, thank you. Thanks, Habu. I appreciate it. My best to all the folks in Madison, Wisconsin. Let's go to uh, Levin in Culver City, California. Hey, Levin, welcome to the broadcast. What's up? Hi, Brad. Thank you for taking my call. Um, So my basic uh, comment is if we're looking... Your initial question was, who are we supposed to blame for the... uh, conundrum in Iraq, and really we have to look at this uh, systemically. It goes way beyond George W. Bush or even George H. W. Bush, right? Yeah. Um, this, this goes all the way back to the Monroe Doctrine and the philosophy of Manifest Destiny, or the ideology, rather. And, you know, because I really see no difference in uh, spreading, quote-unquote, progress, which is the justification we use to murder the uh, American Indians, right, and take their land. There's no difference between spreading progress and spreading quote-unquote freedom. Americans seem to love to spread themselves all over the place, right? (laughs) Well, listen, uh, yes, of course, that's what America does. uh, But when we do it and when we kill people in the bargain, that's not good. Uh, Is that your point? Well, yeah, absolutely, right? And so, you know, and uh, that kind of touches on the issue that was brought up by the first caller. Keith, I believe his name was, where he was talking about how, you know, Obama should have prosecuted, you know, or at least formed committees to prosecute the war criminals of the Bush administration. However, that would have made it possible for Obama, who is, in fact, a war criminal, to be prosecuted himself, too. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Uh, so, I, I, I do not. I mean, uh, he, he, it was possible. it's possible to prosecute someone for uh, war crimes, period. Had Obama done that, Obama probably wouldn't have continued uh, the same policies and then wouldn't be uh, held uh, uh, accountable for the war crimes, I guess you're uh, suggesting he uh, uh, should be held accountable for. And by the way... I'm fine with that, too. Hold him accountable. Hold everyone accountable. But it sounds to me like you're kind of making excuses for uh, the George W. Bush administration, Levin. No, 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 no. Not, not at all. Okay. See, um, I'm a sociologist by trade. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And 
These types of situations go way beyond individuals. Yes, absolutely, we should hold individuals accountable, but it is the system itself in which they are entrenched that causes these types of outcomes. Okay, it, it is the system of empire. It is the system of globalization. And we are, we are in Iraq, we were in Iraq, simply to have control or maintain control over productive resources. Even though, you know, the main productive resource there is oil, which China is actually getting much more of that right. than Americans. I, of course, you I, know, uh, the companies that are selling that oil to China are American companies, right? Yeah, I hear but, you, Levin. Um, no, I hear you. I, and I understand the problem with empire, and we talk about it a lot on this show. That does right. not absolve uh, war criminals, however. Yeah, so I say hold not. people absolutely accountable not. for being war criminals. Hold uh, the nation and everything we do accountable uh, for our unquenchable thirst for empire. Thanks, Levin. I got to get to a break. I do appreciate the call. Uh, we'll take some more calls after this break. 818 985 5735 if you'd like to get into the conversation. 818 985 KPFK. I had uh, put these, uh, boy, I never thought I'd uh, have to dust off these uh, sound clips again. But I was able to do it this week from 2006. These clips we put together, I can't believe that they are once again appropriate this week. There can be no doubt that Saddam Hussein has biological weapons and the capability to rapidly produce more, many more. We're resting our case on the fact that Saddam Hussein has developed weapons of mass destruction, has them in his possession. The real threat to peace is Saddam Hussein and his possession of weapons of mass destruction. There's a smoking gun, and it involves weapons of mass destruction. They have weapons of mass destruction. That is what this war was about. Every statement I make today is backed up by sources, solid sources. These are not assertions. What we're giving you are facts and conclusions based on solid intelligence. The massive and sudden horror. Massive death and destruction. Death on a massive scale. The danger to our country is grave. Keep on rocking me, baby. The Iraqi regime could launch a biological or chemical attack in as little as 45 minutes. Keep on rocking me, baby. The regime is seeking a nuclear bomb, and with fissile material, it could build one within a year. Keep on me, baby. The Iraqi regime possesses biological and chemical weapons. The Iraqi regime is building the facilities necessary to make more biological and chemical weapons. Keep on me, baby. Um, in his speech to Congress, the Prime Minister opened the door to the possibility that you may be proved wrong about the threats from weapons, Iraq's weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, uh, we won't be proven wrong. No, they won't be proven wrong. Because the media, the mainstream media, talking to you, David Gregory, won't let them be proven wrong. This is Bradcast. Our phone number is 818-985-5735. We'll get to more of your calls. Some good voting news out of Ohio. Desi Doyen with some green news. All of that straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast.
KPFK is inviting you, the listener, to our next LSB meeting on Wednesday, June 18th from 7 to 10 p.m. at the Peace Center, located at 3916 South Sepulveda Boulevard in Culver City. The local station board meeting includes reports from the station's interim general manager, national board directors, local committees, and time for public comment allocated throughout the meeting. Once again, that's Wednesday, June 18th from 7 to 10 p.m. at 3916 South Sepulveda Boulevard in Culver City. You can go to kpfk.org and go to the community calendar for details. Brad Friedman here on The Bradcast on KPFK, your friendly citizen blogger from bradblog.com, taking your calls on Iraq and whatever else is on your mind, 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. Back to the phones in a moment, but I want to make sure that I get this in because it's so rare that there's any good news on voting out of Ohio these days. Uh, Back in 2012, as they were heading to the presidential election, the state of Ohio, the uh, Republican-controlled state of Ohio, uh, decided, you know what, no last weekend, no early voting on the last weekend of elections, right before the elections. Of course, the reason that the Republicans came up with that idea was because they know that that is traditionally when uh, African-American churches take thousands of people's uh, people to the polls their souls to the polls efforts uh, on the weekend uh, before the election for early voting. The problem was Ohio was allowing military voters to vote over that last weekend, claiming that, oh, well, military voters, they they have to be allowed to vote any time. You know, even though they're not overseas, we're talking about local Ohio voters, military based in Ohio. They're allowed to vote. Veterans aren't, but they're allowed to vote. Well, The Obama administration, or I guess the Obama campaign, sued. Obama for America sued. The case went up, uh, may have gone all the way to the Supreme Court. But in any case, what they decided in 2012 was that, yeah, no, you can't do that. You can't let some people vote on the weekend before elections, but not other people. So the judge at the time, U.S. District Court Judge Peter Economist, he issued a, a preliminary injunction forcing Ohio to restore early voting for the three days preceding the November 2012 presidential election. And then the secretary of state out there, Republican Secretary of State John Houston, had to apologize to the court because he told the counties, don't do it. Don't listen to the judge. Don't let people vote on that day uh, pending the appeal. We're going to appeal this case. And the judge said, "Uh, no, I don't think so. Houston got in a lot of trouble was ordered uh, to restore voting once again, uh, which he finally did. And, of course, the appeal ruled against Husted. Well, oddly enough, the Republicans were at it again this year, and they passed pretty much the same law. 
to deny people uh, the, the right to vote in Ohio on the weekend before the election. But in the meantime, they still got that military law going. So once again, Obama for America had to go back to the courts. And this time the judge ordered Husted to not only restore voting in the three days before the election, but also to schedule them for, quote, all future elections. So that's good news. And Husted has now said he will do so. He will follow the court's instructions. And uh, it's rather, uh, rather amusingly, uh, he's pretending that he was in favor of it all along. He says, I'm pleased that the federal court has affirmed what I have long advocated, that all voters, no matter where they live, should have the same opportunity to vote. Thankfully, uniformity and equality won the day. That was after the Republican secretary of state lost his court case, he came out and pretended he won. He won. Whatever. Up is down, black is white, and John Husted, Secretary of State of Ohio, is a great champion of voting rights. If that's what you need to hear, you've just heard it. It's not true. But the good news is people now get to vote in the, uh, in the weekend before the 2014 November elections until Republicans figure out how to undermine that again. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK. Let's go to uh, Gian in Ventura, California. Hey, Gian, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Brad. Uh, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I'm a professional TV watcher just like the rest of us, <laughs> and I thought I noticed on the uh, boob tube that George Bush was holding hands with uh, the, the, you know, the Saudi prince. Yeah his way to the to the tarmac and letting him uh that was the first guy he talked to after 9-11 so you could pretty much be sure that the that the uh, united states was acting as a proxy for the saudis in their plans to reorganize the middle east you know well yeah except that um the uh, the saudis are sunni the saudis were the ones who uh you know what is it 19 or uh, 19 of the 20 hijackers, 9-11 hijackers were, were Saudi. Um, they, of course, uh, are uh, Sunni, and, uh, if I got this right now. Yeah, I, and, I and the group and the, and, and the uh, organization that is now taking over Iraq uh, is Sunni. So, yeah, they, they are being supported by uh, Saudi Arabia, our theoretical ally. And in theory, they are uh, attacking the work that the U.S. did, and maybe they'll be attacking U.S. They're interests once they sides. march into Baghdad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're playing both sides. Yep. I mean, we, we were basically hired out. This corporate this corporation of America was hired out to the, to the highest bidder, which was, in this case, you know, yep. flush with oil, the Saudi princes. Yeah, seems to all be about oil, doesn't it? Gian, I appreciate your call. Uh, thanks. Let's go to Betty in Redondo. Hey, Betty, welcome to the broadcast. What's on your mind? Hi, thanks so very much. I so appreciate this show today. Thank you for doing it. Thank you. And I just wanted to remind everybody that we've seen this before uh, in Wag the Dog with Dustin Hoffman. And, you know, we experienced Jessica Lynch and that false story. And everything What? Was- it was false? <laughs> yeah, did you, you know? know? I, no, I, yeah, I did. And not only did I know that it was false, but t- somebody tell PolitiFact. Because yeah. PolitiFact came out and said that uh, Rachel Maddow had said that the, uh, what, was, what was her words, that the Pentagon uh, made up this false story. And PolitiFact came out and said, no, that's not true. That's false. 
because theoretically, we don't know, was it the Pentagon who made up the false story or did they just get it wrong? But they're giving the impression that what happened to Jessica Lynch, that she was a Rambo who tried valiantly, who, who mowed down thousands of uh, Iraqis all by herself as she was, uh, you know, breathing her last breath. Uh, there was all a lie. Uh, you wouldn't know it uh, if you read Politico. Anyway. So, yeah, and you know, ahead. all I'm hearing, we've got six owners of all of our media today, and all I'm hearing on right wing is oil's going up, oil's going up, oil's going up. Well, you know, Betty, mission accomplished. Yeah, those. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. I so appreciate you. All right. Thank you, Betty. I appreciate that. Thanks for your call. 818. 818- 985-5735 is our phone number. Let's go to Roger in Venice. Hey, Roger, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, hello. Thank you uh, for speaking with me. I, I have a whole new theory on the Iraq war. Oh, you do? I do, yes. Um, I think that, you know, we took on Saddam Hussein because he was a bad example for the capitalist world, because he was using the wealth from the oil to benefit his people in terms of health care and education all the way through doctorates or degrees, for instance. And the same thing happened with Mexico when we, we stopped them from using the Pemex oil wealth to benefit their people. The well, same, the same reason we're against uh, um, Hugo Chavez in Venezuela. Well, I know okay. Hugo Chavez was doing that. Um, right. I, I don't know what Saddam was doing with his oil uh, and, and well, being able check to... check it out. Check it out. You, you can look at the education policies of Iraq before invasion, for instance. Uh-huh. Well, I know that he was not able really to uh, sell them much of any place. And he was, well, uh, remember the food for oil program and all of that. Right, and I just right. want to, you know, I want to make clear, um, uh, he was a brutal authoritarian dictator. He was a well, horrible... An unending war against the CIA insurrections that are provoked with endless money. Yeah, that's terrible, but that does not excuse what he did to his own people, the way he cracked down on his own people. And by the way, uh, al-Maliki, the guy who is in there now, the guy who we have been supporting, the guy who we helped put in, is also a terrible authoritarian who has been cracking down as well. He's also pocketing the money from the oil himself I would his his people. Wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, thanks, Roger. I appreciate that call very much. 818-985-5735. By the way, you can always tweet me on the Twitters uh, at the Brad blog. Uh, Desi, stand by. We'll be going to you soon with a bit of green news. Let's go to uh, Tony in Long Beach. Hey, Tony, welcome to the broadcast. Yes, hello. This is Tony Taylor from Long Beach. I want to make something... Hello, Tony Taylor. Me. Hello to you, sir. I am not in support of any political government at all. I'm neutral, but I am a sociologically aware person. Let me state it real quick, and I'll get off the line. The Bush administration cannot be accused of lying about national security threat because Saddam Hussein was. And I'll tell you why he was a threat. Okay. The threat is different compared to the average person, but to the ruling elite, one, your caller, previous caller was right. He set a bad example. Two, he wasn't going to privatize the natural commons. Three, he was also going to squeeze the U.S. out of the petrol dollar and convert it over to a different currency. And four, it was a way to stop the movement of neoliberal programs in the Middle East. So he was a threat to the national security interests of the elite, who in turn 
equate their interests with the national interests. So they're, they're not lying when they're saying it. They're lying through equivocation. So language is very important. They can never be accused, the ruling elite, of lying about national security threat because he was in an existential threat. So your uh, theory here is that Saddam Hussein was a threat to us because he threatened basically our economic interests, and our economic interest becomes a security interest. Is is yes, what you're Frank, saying? Yeah, Frank Church. Frank yeah. Churchill. Uh, Frank Church said it during the Church, Church Committee in '75 that the ruling elite views whatever threatens the the existing status quo is a threat to the United States per se to them. They view themselves, national elite, as United States, not you and I. Mm-hmm. Okay. Threat to them, so they're they're never lying. They're only lying through equivocation, through naive naive case. They're hoping that we're naive about what national security means. Excellent uh, and interesting point, Tony. Uh, I I think that's a fine defense. I think what we need to do is bring them all up on charges of war crimes and let them make that defense. Let them try that defense in uh, in open court. I'd be delighted would, to see it. But it wouldn't hold up in open, open court because they are relying upon the de-intellectualization intellectualization of the American public. Now, if it was in Europe or in South America, people would be hit to that. Yeah, well, so, de-intellectualization de- 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 accomplished, I'm afraid. Hey, thanks, Tony. I appreciate that. Uh, I got to move on here. Uh, let's do some, well, well let's, uh, before we get to the green news, let's just, let's just call Desi Doyen on in here. Desi, we're melting for you. Before we get to uh, the Green News Report here, Desi Doyen. Yeah, it's getting hot out there. uh, It's it's getting hot out there. Before we get to that, though, I want to ask you about this uh, story we covered at bradblog.com this week. These uh, scientists, these science museums, this war on... The war on science museums now. <laughs> That's what we have here. Uh, I, I hope you got to look at this uh, story that even uh, science museums are now being undermined by fossil fuel funded science denialism. Uh, great story that Anna Kuchment, Kuchmolt, I don't know how to pronounce it, uh, ran in the Dallas Morning News. Uh, on this new museum, the Dallas uh, Perot Museum of Nature and Science. This is Ross Perot's uh, money, I yes. guess. Yes, yes. And they had an exhibit on energy, and they have a great big, we got a picture of the great big drill, uh, drill bit. Uh, a great big screw drill oh, right there, there yeah. on the wall, about five feet long, just to give you an idea of what fracking looks like. So when you walk in, you immediately get a huge screw... But <laughs> but they seem to have forgotten something. Yes. Very interesting. There was this whole camp this whole this whole display in this exhibit that they had put together about about uh, you know, earth sciences, and they forgot to put in the panel on climate change. And of course they didn't forget. What they claim is that they had the this panel on climate change all worked out. It was ready to go, it was part of the designs. They were going to be putting it in there, of course, but something happened. Nobody at the museum museum seems to know they're saying first they said well we, we think it didn't fit it might not have uh, the size the dimensions were wrong so we, they went without it and of course uh dallas morning news talked to other people at other museums and said that is not 
even possible. Yeah, usually when you do an exhibit like that, any kind of exhibition, it is designed completely thoroughly all the way down to the measurements of how the panels that are displayed go in. So first of all, they said, oh, well, we might have misplaced it. Oh, wait, no, maybe it didn't fit inside the space allotted right. for it. And oh, gosh, we can't find it now. Right. Oh, and, no. and, and they didn't even notice yeah, that it wasn't not- the claim. They didn't notice. We, what? It's gone? We, we, th- we had no how idea. Can right. Until, uh, until it was pointed out to yes. it. Yeah. Until the reporters pointed it out. And uh, this reporter, Anna Kuchman, also spoke with other people at other museums who say, you know what? This goes on a lot. Um, well, not the part about missing parts of exhibitions. That doesn't happen. Well, but the part about, yeah. you know, maybe being sensitive to what a big donor would find offensive or not, that they're actually showing that the, the Dallas Morning News did some research and said, yeah, the museums are feeling the pressure and they're trying to tiptoe around this the, this delicate dance of not offending their big donors and not offending the public, especially not in the middle of oil country. Well, down in Texas, but it's not only happening in Texas. No, so it's this not. Is 100 $185 million facility, a lot of oil money, uh, a lot of people uh, behind it. The Reese Jones Foundation, which was started by chief oil and gas founder Trevor Reese Jones and his wife. Uh, they put in about $25 million uh, locally. Uh, ExxonMobil put in a million dollars. So this is all this fossil fuel money. And uh, Dallas Morning News says that, you know, This happens a lot, quote, to avoid stirring up controversy with donors, visitors and political representatives. And this happens in other science museums. Uh, that are purposely not covering the science of a very important issue that's facing humanity today. Paul, These are science musician, mu- museums not covering science. Paul Martin, Senior Vice President for Science Learning at the Science Museum of Minnesota in St. Paul, told the paper that, quote, it is about the most politically controversial topic that we can take on right now. And they do this. Uh, it's self-censorship is what it is in hopes of avoiding Controversy. Carolyn Summers, vice president for astronomy and the physical sciences at the Houston Museum of Natural Science, is quoted as saying, quote, we try to avoid saying things that are not necessary to be said. (laughs) Her museum, according to the paper, quote, doesn't use the term global warming except in a historical context, such as the natural warming that took place during the time of the dinosaurs. By the way, that panel that suddenly uh, seems to have disappeared had said, was supposed to have said, uh, quote, humans have altered Earth's climate by burning coal and other fossil fuels that release carbon dioxide. It went on to uh, compare what we are doing uh, uh, to, to volcanoes. It said volcanic eruptions and burning fossil fuels increase the amount of carbon dioxide and other heat trapping gases in the atmosphere. This warms the earth and can cause sea levels to rise and climates to change. But in comparing volcanic eruptions to burning fossil fuels, the fact is, that uh, volcanic eruptions account for about 2% of the CO2 in the atmosphere. Of the added CO2, yeah. yeah. So they're making it sound equivalent when uh, volcanoes and human burning of fossil fuels are not equivalent at all. Not at all. Not Which at all. brings us to, of course, sadly, connecting the climate change dots uh, to our latest Green News report. As the summer begins to heat up, deadly weather is striking the heartland in a huge way. Put it dramatically. Picture. Never before seen twin tornadoes slam Nebraska. I don't remember anybody saying that the moon wasn't there or that it was made of cheese. Obama openly mocks climate deniers. 
New study finds, again, economic benefits of EPA regulations outweigh the costs, plus the billionaire Koch brothers' Coctopus grows a new tentacle. All of those tentacles and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. There's some who also duck the question. When they're asked about climate change, they say, hey, look, I'm not a scientist. Well, let's let Barack Obama have the snarky comment today. And I'll translate that for you. What that really means is, I know that man-made climate change really is happening, but if I admit it, I'll be run out of town by a radical fringe that thinks climate science is a liberal plot, so I'm not going to admit it. Well done, Mr. President. This is your Green News Report. I'm not a scientist either, but we've got some really good ones at NASA. Okay, Desi Doyen, before we get started today, a little bit of news in the background under the radar. It looks like the Republicans could be setting up for another potential government shutdown. They have snuck in an amendment to the must-pass appropriations bill that would undo the Obama EPA's new standards for reducing carbon emissions by 30% by 2030. And obviously Obama can't sign it, so if it stays in there, we could be looking at another government shutdown in a couple of months. Yep, there threatening to take those hostages again. We'll see if Obama and the Democrats in Congress take the bait. What else do you have for us today? As insane, crazy weather is breaking out across the uh, Midwest and crazy heat in the East. Oh yeah, it's unbelievable, bizarre. Twin tornadoes that hit northeastern Nebraska Monday afternoon. They destroyed much of the tiny town of Pilger, Nebraska and killed at least two people. It was part of a string of multiple tornadoes that pummeled the region. That was like nothing anyone had ever seen. I haven't met or heard from anyone alive, any meteorologist that's ever seen anything like this. That was meteorologist Bill Cairns of MSNBC. Now, while some small spin-off tornadoes do occasionally occur, meteorologists say that these double full-sized tornadoes that close together is not normal. Not only not normal, but not even understood, this comment from Cairns was a bit ominous, to say the least. To have two huge tornadoes that close to each other had never, ever been recorded in our country's history, as far as any of us can remember. We're not even sure the physics of it to see how it's even possible. So we've got weather patterns now that meteorologists don't even understand. That's how much our climate seems to be changing. I think that's an ominous and uh, dark comment from the weatherman. Yeah, we don't even know how the physics would work. That's not scary at all. Watch out, the Coctopus is growing a new tentacle. The Daily Beast reports that the billionaire Koch brothers are adding a new nonprofit front group to their shadowy network of big money nonprofit front groups to kill off clean energy. The new strategy includes a super PAC that plans to spend at least $15 million in the 2014 midterm elections alone just on attacking climate change activists and undermining the EPA's new emissions pollution standards. They're going to attempt to convince Americans that during Dirty energy is the best energy. Oh, bring it on, Cokes. And remember, polluting industries and their friends in Congress always cry wolf about pollution regulations, and they're always wrong. A new study by the Federal Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs, which reports on the economic impact of federal regulations, that new study finds that major EPA standards implemented just since 2003 have yielded a minimum of $215 billion in economic benefits, two to three times the cost of any of those measures. Finally, President Obama is now openly mocking the climate change denial industry and their friends in Congress. It's pretty rare that you'll encounter somebody 
who says the problem you're trying to solve simply doesn't exist. When President Kennedy set us on a course for the moon, there were a number of people who made a serious case that it wouldn't be worth it. It was going to be too expensive. It was going to be too hard. It would take too long. But nobody ignored the science. I don't remember anybody saying that the moon wasn't there or that it was made of cheese. Today's Congress, though, is full of folks who stubbornly and automatically reject the scientific evidence about climate change. They will tell you it is a hoax or a fad. One member of Congress actually says the world is cooling. There was one member of Congress who mentioned a theory involving dinosaur flatulence, which I won't get into, but... Wow, who spiked his coffee today? I know. That was his commencement speech to the University of California, Irvine, over the weekend. He devoted the entire speech to the danger of man-made climate change. He announced a new fund to help cities recover from and prepare for the increase in extreme weather events, and he challenged the new graduates to lead the way in fighting against global warming. I'm just glad he's calling out the liars for what they are. Liars. Thank you, Mr. President. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget, you can download us anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, or iTunes. And you can find us and follow us on the Facebook and the Twitters at Green News Report. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Well done, Desi Doyen. My thanks to you. We will be back. Same Brad time, same Brad channel next week. My thanks also to Nadia Richardson, our soundboard operator today, to Oscar Arajo. Ah, not even close. Screening our calls this afternoon. My thanks to all of you callers out there. Really appreciate it. Uh, stay tuned for John Wiener and the 4 o'clock report. He'll be discussing the 50th anniversary of the Mississippi Freedom Summer. Bring it. Until we're back again, we will uh, find you on the Twitters. I am at the Brad Blog, and of course, you can find me at bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. Good night, America. <laughs>